Thanks for joining our second Lean Startup webcast. Today's topic is Beyond Silicon Valley, Applying Lean Startup Around the Globe. I'm Michelle Kimball, the Marketing and Livestream Coordinator for the Lean Startup Conference, which is coming up December 9th through 11th. Please visit leanstartup.co for more information. First, can everyone hear me? Let's see it on the chat stream. Good. Our speakers today are Kevin DeWalt, Takashi Tutsumi, and Justin Wilcox. Kevin is the founder of SoHelpful.me and other startups. He's an investor, an advisor, and is currently based in Beijing, China. Kevin blogs at KevinDeWalt.com. Takashi is an investor focused on startups, an evangelist of customer development, and the translator of the Four Steps to the Epiphany and the Startup Owner's Manual in Japanese. He currently lives in Japan. Justin Wilcox, formerly with Microsoft, is an entrepreneur and leads lean workshops around the world. Justin blogs at customerdevlabs.com. A few housekeeping notes. We'll take questions from the audience via the live chat. If you'd like to ask a question, please flag it by starting with a Q colon before asking the question. This is a 55-minute program, and the recording will be available after this live webcast. Finally, should Kevin disappear from the webcast for a brief period of time, it's expected, as his connection from China is problematic. We'll quickly dial him back in. Take it away, Kevin, Takashi, and Justin. Nice to talk with you again. Thanks. All right, so let's give everyone a little bit of context. Let's go around the room and just let everyone know Basically, what's your relationship with Lean, both inside the Valley and outside the Valley? So, Kevin, let's start with you. Okay, well, thanks, everybody. Um, I'm going to post my comments to the chat room in case uh, anybody can't hear me. So, um, Kevin DeWalt, I have been involved in startups since the late 1990s. Um, pretty much, you know, every aspect, you know, venture investor, angel investor, founder, uh, early employee. It's, it's sort of what I've done for about 15 years. And five years ago, I got involved. Uh, I started getting involved in this thing called the Lane Startup Movement when I read some crazy guy named Eric Reese writing about it uh, and was pretty excited about the idea of learning a different way to build companies and spent a couple years evangelizing the whole movement in the U.S doing workshops, trying to learn these principles on my own products, organizing meetups, and before I left, I helped the U.S. National Science Foundation roll out the i program with Steve Lank at Stanford. So Lean Startup is pretty much what, it been, what I've been breathing for the past five years. Uh, currently living in uh, Beijing, China, Dajiahao, uh, uh, where uh, I, after studying Chinese for six months, I started helping entrepreneurs across Asia apply these principles in their own startups. And so uh, Singapore uh, with Justin, uh, the Philippines, uh, across China, and really across the world through my weekly startup help calls, I've been helping entrepreneurs outside the United States try to implement the practices that we were using in the U.S. and in Silicon Valley. And I think there's a lot of confusion about some of the, the basic tactics and the big picture. And I'm excited today to work with these two awesome guys so we can hopefully clear some of this up. That's great. Uh, you're definitely one of the thought leaders in this space um, and certainly have a, an amazing perspective with your international flavor. Um, so Takashi, how about you? What's your relationship with Lean? 
Okay, thanks. Uh, yeah, first let me introduce myself, and uh, I'm Takashi Tsutsumi uh, from Tokyo, Japan, where I'm uh, living now. And uh, first of all, uh, it is great honor uh, to be as a speaker today. And um, in fact, uh, it's my uh, own first time experience uh, to the uh, webcast where uh, there are a lot of uh, audience, but I cannot see, so it's kind <laughs> of a new experience for me. Okay, and uh, uh, my profession is a venture capitalist, and I have been venture capitalist the last uh, uh, 13 years, and uh, I am investing in uh, technology startups mostly, uh, uh, both in Japan and uh, Silicon Valley. And uh, personally, uh, I have been I have been uh, teaching and uh, practicing myself the uh, lean startups and the customer development for several, uh, seven years. And I do so at a variety of uh, places, including uh, startups and universities and uh, uh, municipal incubator, and, uh, as well as uh, enterprise, big enterprise. And uh, I do so, and actually I like it, because uh, lean startups and customer development help uh, entrepreneur uh, for more success, I believe. And uh, I came to know customer development when I was uh, looking for a more uh, systematic and uh, scientific approach uh, to build a new startup. And, uh, in fact, uh, I had uh, several uh, startup experience in the past and uh, some of them uh, succeeded, but some of them failed. But uh, uh, I realized that I didn't have a standard processes to build a, a new startups by talking to uh, customers. And then at that time, uh, I was looking for that kind of a processes or a method in Silicon Valley where there are a lot of startup activities. And then came across the book called The Four Steps to the Economy. And then Steve Frank, uh, who allowed me uh, to translate the book, his great book, uh, for Japanese entrepreneurs. So, yeah, that's it. Fantastic. Great. All right, well, um, I live in the Valley now, um, but my experience with Lean actually starts before that. When I was up in Seattle, I had started a uh, healthcare software company, which uh, we did absolutely the wrong way. We built an incredible, amazing product that nobody wanted. And uh, about two years later, we realized it, uh, ran into the four steps, the epiphany, um, and it's been history ever since. So, you know, basically my relationship with Lean now is um, trying to help other founders avoid the mistakes that I've made. And I've had the privilege of helping those founders um, in a variety of places, you know, not just Seattle, but obviously here in the Valley, also in places like Puerto Rico, um, over in, um, in Singapore with uh, Kevin, um, helping some folks in, in Europe as well. So, um, if it's not clear to everyone, uh, I'm going to be asking the questions here, mostly because uh, you should be listening to these two. Kevin and Takashi are really living and breathing lean outside of the valley, where I am inside the bubble um, and drinking all sorts of bubbly Kool-Aid. Uh, so with that, let's, let's rock and roll, gentlemen. Um, let's pretend that I am a lean entrepreneur. I'm somewhere outside the valley. I want to hear from each of you, what are some of the challenges I'm likely to face? when I'm outside the valley. So Kevin, let's start with you. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I find a couple things as I started working with teams applying lean startup in other places. Um, and the, let me just first off start by saying 
the, the key to all this is that the big picture in lean startup and customer development is, is still the same. And, and that is that startups are about discovery and they're about search. And if you can keep that in mind when you hear about specific tactics or ideas or, you know, Ash Moria said to do this or Eric Reese said to do that, just remember that the big picture is what matters. And that's that startups are about search. And it's about searching for a new way to make money and a new business model. And your job is to go out and test and try different ideas and see what works. Uh, and if you can keep that in the back of your mind, it will it'll steer you through most of the rough seas. Let, let me talk a little bit about some of the specific issues and tactics that I've seen where teams have had challenges. Um, and the first one is that there's, uh, you know, there's a very, uh, and you can even see some of that coming through in, in the introductions here today. You know, Justin and I are very quick to jump in with, you know, how great we are. And the first thing that Takashi says is, what an honor it is to be here. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Americans, Americans are, will just, you know, especially in Silicon Valley, there's a culture of, you know, kick down the door and get into somebody's office and, and let's talk about your problem and roll up your sleeves. And I think Steve Blank has uh, some great quotes where he said things like, you know, unless security is kicking you out of the building, you're not being aggressive enough. Um, <laughs> you don't want to do that in China. <laughs> um, so you can't just, you can't approach, especially in business settings, teams that I've worked with have found that you just can't barge into people's offices and set up meetings and say, hey, let's talk about your problems. What most of the time what you will hear, especially in, you know, in the, you know, the Far Eastern cultures, is that a lot of people will tell you, well, you know, we don't have any problems. Um, and you know, that could be because uh, they don't know why you're here. They don't know why you're in their office. Did, did, did my boss ask you to come here because he's checking on me? It's just not, and people just are not comfortable talking about problems. You can't you know, batter your way in there. And you know, most of the mentors that you would work with in, in your sort of local regions are smart enough to realize that. But it's worth keeping in mind that these kind of tactics don't always translate well. So that's one thing. Some of the other points that I'll try to make a little bit quicker are, um, you know, systematic relationship. Uh, you know, systematic relationships building is key, and that it's really important to have relationships to get into companies. Um, I, one of the the things that I think Takashi is probably you know more able to speak about than I am is just the the difficulty that teams have in getting support for applying lean startup practices. Like a lot of times, I will hear from people. I want to do lean. I've read your blog, Kevin, but I don't know where to start because my co-founder doesn't want to do it. My investors don't want to do it. My advisors don't understand it. And so we can talk a little bit about today about some things you can do to do that. And there's just uh, two other sort of just, you know, more of a um, language issues than anything or just language and cultural is sometimes the actual words don't translate well. Um, so, you know, if you talk about the words like lean startup and I forget the uh, – uh, of course, now I'm going to forget the Chinese word for it, but I'm sure somebody will post it in the stream. <laughs> but Chuang um, Yejia, anyway, I forget. Someone will post it. Um, if you're not translated correctly, it can sound like cheap startup, and I've heard that from other cultures mm -hmm. as well. So, like, language is very important. And um, yeah, the, the final thing I'll just mention is that, especially in, uh, you know, this not as true in China, but in some of the other places I've been to, there's a, a, an odd sort of deference towards the foreigners, towards the Americans versus your local leaders. 
And it's really, I think that's really a mistake to do that and that you're better off, you know, you're better off taking these basic ideas and working within the people of your own, you know, in your community and listening to them. Guys like, you know, Khalil Corazzo in, in the Philippines, the people that like know these lean sort of practices and know what it's like to be, you know, in his case, in the Philippines. Um, and obviously, you know, Takashi is the, the best example of, of anyone who's done that in the world. So um, I'll sort of stop there, Justin. Yeah, that sounds great. So speaking of which, Takashi, what do you think? Uh, biggest challenges you see from people trying to be lean outside of the valley? Yeah, actually, uh, yeah, Kevin uh, covered, uh, I, I share the many uh, points uh, Kevin uh, covered just now. Uh, I see, I see uh, difficulty to uh, uh, get a customer to talk to uh, in mm -hmm. Japan and also, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, actually, uh, uh, I understand that the lean startup is uh, uh, well proliferated in uh, Silicon Valley, and uh, building a startup in lean way is normal. But uh, outside Japan, uh, outside the Silicon Valley, including Japan, uh, most people do not know uh, lean startups uh, yet. So for them. Uh, if your first idea uh, does not work, then uh, they consider you fail. So uh, we have to uh, uh, take care of that uh, before uh, begin uh, implementing a, a lean method in your startups. Maybe by uh, uh, teaching what you are going to do a little bit, and uh, and uh, and uh, in any case, we we need to we need them to buy in. And uh, some other aspect I, uh, I I didn't uh, hear from uh, Kevin, but I see uh, it in Japan is uh, the the people feel difficult uh, to describe value uh, value proposition of the product for customers. And uh, uh, in Japan, uh, most people uh, can of course describe the feature of the product or what a product can do, and also the performance, how a product performs. Uh, and also people can know whether customer buy it or not. <laughs> however, uh, however, most people do not think much about why they buy it, uh, which is mm -hmm. the source or the, which is exactly the value, and therefore they are not good at describing the value. Mm. And uh, I came across this situation many times uh, uh, in teaching and practicing, but uh, recently I interpreted the root cause is that uh, uh, maybe this is because in, in uh, the country like Japan, uh, most people work for a, a, a company that already has a product and the customer for it. So there's no need uh, to think hard about why they buy. So that's why uh, I'm thinking that uh, uh, describing a value prop mm -hmm. uh, is difficult for uh, in such, that kind of regions. Yeah, great. So, I, so I'm hearing uh, definitely a couple themes come through, right? You know, talking to customers about their problems is difficult, whether it's because it's hard to get to them or whether it's because they just won't talk about problems. Uh, I think that's fascinating. And I wonder if that ties in maybe a little bit to the difficulty describing a unique value proposition, right? If, if a customer won't talk about the problem, then how do you know what to talk to them about and to how to pitch your unique value proposition? 
So, so we'll dive into that a little bit. Okay, so it's hard to talk to talk to customers. Um, I've also got getting buy-in is going to be really difficult as well, right? Um, so maybe let's let's start there. Let's talk about buy-in. We actually have a question from the, the the chat. Someone says, you know, I am in Singapore. I run a venture-backed startup. I found it almost impossible to get my investors on board to pivot. So um, yeah, actually, Takashi, you just mentioned this. So let's let's have, let's start with you. You know, what do you do? If your you know your ecosystem, the people supporting you are not bought into lean and don't want you to pivot. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, that the situation uh, typically uh, we uh, I also came across, and uh, yeah, what yeah actually one of the uh, idea or the uh, recommendation would be that yeah. First, of course, uh, try to uh, let the board understand uh, what is lean startup and what is pivot and why it makes sense for startups uh, in which uh, people is searching for uh, a business model, scalable, uh, repeatable business model, as uh, Steve described. Mm -hmm. And uh, but if you find it uh, difficult to convince uh, your board member uh, to follow the lean method. Then uh, I may recommend that uh, maybe just stop convincing and uh, just doing it in a lean way. And uh, and when you have to pivot, then that uh, try to uh, tell them the pivot together with the tested hypothesis after pivot. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, if you uh, bring a new plan to the board, which is really more new plan, then they won't be, they won't accept it. But uh, I, I, I think uh, investors are often patient when you get the customers uh, who, who may be different from customers you are originally target. And uh, in that case, uh, 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 even if you pivot, but you already have a kind of a, some proof uh, for new hypothesis, then it can be accepted. And they will be delighted if you get the purchase order for maybe for the different product from what you uh, originally planned to build, but you, if you have the, anyway the purchase order, uh, I think they will just uh, accept it. Regardless uh, whether you do lean or not. Mm -hmm. I, so you know the way you're describing it, I wonder if, in some ways, it might actually be a benefit to have a board that's not letting you pivot because now what you're saying is basically traction talks. You want to move you're going to have to go and be as lean as you can and, and be as quickly as you can to go prove that you need to. And so you're not going to get a board to agree to dedicate a bunch of resources to a new project. So you're going to have to go on your weekends and go interview some people, can try and get their money, and then see if it's worth pivoting. Is that about right, Kevin? I see you giving a thumbs up. Yeah, I totally agree with the guy. So my, here's how I sum it up. Talk about tactics and not ideas. So if you walk into your board, your co-founders, and you say, hey, guys, look at that, that book right there. You know, read this. <laughs> this is what we're doing. Like, nobody wants to hear that. It, it, it doesn't work in Silicon Valley. And, and especially, it's a little bit easier now that we've been talking about this for a couple of years. But even as of two years ago, it was still very hard in the U.S. to get people to buy into the idea. So talk about, if you're having a hard time bringing your board around, your co-founders, my first advice is don't try to convince them to, you know, buy into a whole new process. Talk about tactics and talk about issues. So, hey guys, uh, instead of saying, you know, we need to validate this particular market segment to determine if our value proposition is going to work, you can just say, guys, I don't know if anyone's going to buy this. 
you know, why, you know, before we build anymore, why don't we go talk to these people and just to see if we're building the right thing? You know, mm. let's just, just go have a meeting. Um, and Takashi nailed it perfectly. Like when you're dealing with your board, like the cut, they, I guarantee you, if you bring in money, evidence from the market, they're, unless they're crazy, they're going to be smart enough to fit, they're going to listen to that. Um, so bring facts, bring data, go out and talk about tactics, don't talk about ideas. And, and for God's sakes, don't, you know, put the, you know, smart white, middle-aged, you know, middle-aged white uh, guys from America on a pedestal and say these guys got all the answers because we certainly do not. <laughs> Amen to that. Amen. Um, okay, fantastic. So, so we've got some people on board now. Theoretically, happy to take other questions. By the way, if you want more specifics on that, because I know that's a really big subject. Um, but let's say we got our team on board. Um, now it's time to get out and start talking to some people. It's time to a either get the introductions necessary or find a comfortable way to meet with people, and then b get them to open up about problems. So, Kevin, what do you think? Where should some folks start to go do that in cultures that aren't as accepting as U.S. Okay, I, my the audio broke up a bit for me, so just mention something in the chat room if you can't hear me. Um, so he, here's what I just some context on customer development. Uh, customer development for 99% of the world is kind of weird, right? Because you're sort of in somebody's office, and, and well, you know, are you in my office to sell me something? Well, maybe, kind of depends. Like, if we like it, uh, maybe I'll sell you something Sunday, but I'm not really here to talk about that. And instead, I'm here to talk about your problems. Like, and so it's just, even in the US, um, unless you happen to be like on, you know, you know, you know, 101, you know, people just don't get why you're there talking to them. So, mm. what I suggest you people do is don't, uh, and I, I can share a blog post I've written on this specific topic. Is, don't think, don't think of it in terms of like I'm going to talk to you about your problems or I'm going to, to discover something. Think of it as having a meeting and a conversation. And you're just two professionals where you're going to talk about an, an industry and an issue. And the more you can bring to the table to them and help share with them about what you're learning, the more that they're likely to open up. Now, I'm going to say that with some caveats because I know sometimes in China that's not totally true but for the most part in most situations if you can bring information to the table and, and let them open up by sharing then people are more likely to reciprocate for instance instead of saying um, you know tell me about the problems you guys are having with sales you can talk about the industry and say well you know I've been researching this problem and I talked to this company this company this company this company and it seems like companies that are in your position are running into this problem, getting sales and traction from these these kind of customers here. Well, how's it working for you guys? And suddenly you've turned the whole conversation around, and you're not talking about, you're not pulling information from them. You're sharing things with them, and you're just two people that are having a meeting about a topic. And people will engage, are more likely to engage and open up in a conversation at that point. And they're more likely to let their guard down when they don't feel like they're just being stolen. That's great. That's great. It, it actually reminds me of um, when I was just getting started in the, in the healthcare space, uh, I didn't know anybody. And uh, the very first thing I did was a webinar, something like this, on Twitter, this newfangled thing called Twitter, where everyone was sharing what their baby threw up the day before. And um, it turns out, like, provide providing value, like you mentioned, I was able to build those relationships and then later ask, hey, I'm thinking about starting this thing over here. Um, and then I was able to have a conversation about problems. So I think that's spot on as far as provide value first, 
and then try and solve your problem second. Takashi, what do you think? Anything to add to that? Anything that that's, can help people get into a room and start asking about problems? Um, yeah, uh, I think the, uh, uh, Kevin mentioned a uh, good tactics uh, to, uh, to talk about in front of the customer to which uh, you are uh, doing an interview with. Um, other than that, uh, I think uh, try to kind of uh, try to uh, draw uh, the customer voice uh, as much as possible, as long as possible, uh, by throwing uh, uh, different questions. Uh, when we uh, uh, do the customer interview, I uh, try to kind of uh, expand the one simple question in, uh, into a different direction by asking and uh, 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 kind of a five W one H. So, mm. uh, in what situation you can, uh, you face that problem and uh, uh, with who uh, you uh, you you feel that a problem is difficult and something like that. So, in that way. Uh, uh, you can find a uh, point customer may start uh, uh, talking talking to you and uh, and uh, other than these tactics uh, my recommendation to do the customer inter interview or the customer development uh, itself is to do uh, in a team uh, instead of uh, 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 solo uh, uh, I because uh, uh, as uh, all of us knows that uh, uh, talking to customer or uh, talking to unknown people is not easy so and uh, sometimes frustrating because the uh, customer don't talk to you honestly or don't talk to you much but uh, in that kind of a tough situation if you have a, a team uh, then uh, we can kind of uh, encourage each other resulting the number of the uh, customer interview is increasing I see mm. that situation a lot when I teach uh, uh, customer development in, in Japan. Uh, so mm. do a team and uh, uh, not, instead of uh, doing that in a single or the solo. Interesting. That, that uh, makes sense? Uh-huh, it sure does. Um, to just, just real quick, can I, we get a little specific though. What changes when you're in a team that makes it easier uh, to go find customers who will talk about their problems? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah basically the more people then the more chance to find their uh, customer to talk to and also uh, if you it's a, it, it is like a team sport so if one people uh, one one of the uh, team member uh, face the situation he cannot find a, a customer then uh, other team member can kind of uh, uh, en encourage or their uh, yeah Evident to do that, and uh, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, fantastic, great. Um, okay, so what I want to do now is um, is I want to go over one other question from we've got the uh, the UStream channel. I've got someone here who's asking. I think this is this is more about raising funds than lean. So let's let's give it just a little bit of time. Let's address it, and then and then we'll hop back onto the lean question. Um, but I'd like to hear about the Series A crunch in Asia. It's a hundred times worse than in the Valley. Here in Singapore, there are very few Series A rounds. So, I don't know, give me 30 seconds to 60 seconds um, for either of you guys want to hop in and chat about Series A crunch that you know anything about. 
right. I'll, can I start with this one? Go, Kevin. Please. So why, let me, I have a question for the questioner. Why do we call it a series age crunch and a series A crunch and not a seed round bubble? Uh, and if I think <laughs> if you can answer that question, you'll know why we have it. And it's because we've just had a massive number of startups funded at the seed level and not enough A round money to invest in them. Um, mm. The question that we don't, in no other market situation, and I've been in this business for 20 years investing, I've never seen a, bu like a bubble, which there probably isn't, where people talked about it as the previous round, right? So, mm. <laughs> people talk about the next round. It's not, we have, a two, we, have a, we have a seed round bubble, not a Series A crunch. And we have that because everybody expected that there was going to be more money to take it to the next level. Um, and that's, that's the situation. So we have an explosion of accelerators, incubators, angels, angelists, everybody putting the first money in, thinking it's going to go to the next level. Um, and that's why we have the situation. As far as Singapore specifically, I'm not sure. I, so here's what I would just wonder is that I, you know, based on the time that I've done in Singapore, and I, I've done an investment in a Singaporean company, so I'm a little familiar with the market, that there's just not a lot of Series A funds, period. So I don't know if it's mm -hmm. a crunch or the question is the capital is not there yet. Um, I can just tell you that I'm, I strongly believe that will change. And you know, there's you have a great, uh, a great resource. I mean, in my opinion, one of the best in the world with having JFDI in your backyard, and that's going to attract money and talent to your region. So support JFDI. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Takashi, any, any thoughts on your end? Yeah, actually, uh, 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 in Japan, uh, I don't see uh, much about uh, uh, Series A crunch. And there are a lot of seed investment, uh, uh, like other countries, but uh, in Japan, uh, I don't see much uh, uh, Series A crunch. Uh, but uh, uh, in some sense, uh, it depends on the industry. like. Uh, Industry like a mobile and the internet, uh, I, I see no crunch in the Series A. But uh, the industry like uh, industry like uh, kind of uh, really technology uh, 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 R&D oriented startups such as a semiconductor or the kind of a, a display or the, any other devices, they may uh, find a little bit the uh, Series A crunch. But uh, they also don't have uh, uh, much uh, risk money uh, in the seed stage as well. So I, 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 I'm sorry, I just don't uh, uh, have an insight for the series and crunch because we don't have it. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> um, okay, so we just, thank you very much. So we just got another question in that I'm really excited to actually um, to, to chime in on myself. Um, but before I answer that, I want to, I just want to shout out, we're particularly interested in the problems that you guys are having with Lean Abroad. So if you've got any specific questions, we've got a list of things that we think are hard when you're abroad, and we'll ramble on about those until, um, until the conference starts. Uh, but if you guys have specific problems that you're running into, uh, please let us know about them. We want to try and help you solve them. Um, okay, but we have a question here that says, uh, it asks, how do you modify Lean Startup for non-SV kinds of startups, non-tech, non-VC scale startups? Um, okay, so, so this is like sort of a non-tech enabled startup. Um, let me say that Lean works in these scenarios. It just so happens I happen to I be in love with a young woman who is an um, educational psychologist. And uh, she works for um, the Oakland School District and she's been trying to start a, a private practice as, um, 
as, a, as an educational psychologist. And uh, lucky for her, but mostly lucky for me, um, we met when I was crazy into lean and we were, we were talking about these things. And we've been applying customer development principles to her business from the beginning, and she's crushing it. So the exact same principles apply no matter whether you're tech or whether you're not. It's always about identifying your customers and solving their problems. So how do you identify your customers? You go talk to them. How do you solve their problems? You talk to them. You go talk to your customers. You figure out what problems they have, and then you go solve them. Um, it, it, I swear, I'm helping another guy. He, um, a young, this young man is helping you know, kids with autism. And uh, it, it, this is, again, non-tech-enabled and all. It's always the same thing. So his customer segments are parents who are trying to battle um, you know, the difficulties of helping their child navigate school with um, severe autism. Exact same thing. So. Um, for you out there, I'm convinced this stuff works uh, especially well in non-tech startups. Um, and, and you guys want to add about your experience with um, with lean in non-tech-enabled companies? I think you said it perfectly, Justin. I don't have cool. anything to add to that. I totally agree. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Perhaps uh, uh, lean method is uh, more uh, friendly for. Uh, non-capital intensive uh, businesses uh, which you just described because mm. uh, uh, with a little money you can come up with uh, MVP quickly particularly mm. if you do uh, services MVP is easy mm. MVP will be difficult if you are building uh, uh, chips and uh, clean techs and so on so yeah so yeah uh, yeah Justin I 100% agree with you cool um, okay, so let's talk. Um, we got a couple questions about applying lean in larger organizations. So um, let's talk about uh, talk about that. Any of you guys have experience trying to educate larger organizations about lean or uh, mentor people who have? Takashi, we'll we'll start with you if you've got some thoughts. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I I recently uh, uh, have some opportunity to. To, to do a, a green startups in a large enterprise, teach uh, employee in a large enterprise uh, who are responsible for building new businesses. And uh, yeah, the, the insight I mentioned uh, before, I mean, uh, 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 do the pivot together with the tested hypothesis is mm. coming from that experience. Mm. And, uh, but uh, yeah, in a Big enterprise uh, doing a lean startup method may be uh, more challenge than uh, startup uh, uh, implementing lean startup in the startups because uh, in the large enterprise you have uh, more stakeholders and managers and executives uh, uh, and also other department other department or sections uh, you have to kind of deal with. And uh, and uh, if, uh, what I see is that if you keep pivoting in the new businesses according to the lean startups, maybe some uh, profit-making department people uh, tell you that uh, uh, why you are keep it, uh, keep failing uh, repeatedly. Although we are making money, you are losing uh, money. So that kind of uh, uh, how to say inhibitor uh, can be seen in the enterprise, which is not seen much in the startups. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin, any thoughts on that? Like, any thoughts on, on how to get upper management to at least give you a little breathing room for a little bit as you try and find that traction? Uh, no, 
Oh, that's why I got out of that job. So, uh, but I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is the next webinar, the next Lean Startup Conference webinar is this topic. Defer it to so, smarter people. Yeah. Well, exactly. So, honestly, uh, uh, that's why I don't do that job anymore because I was unsuccessful at doing that. Yeah. Great. Great. All right. I, I have no experience in larger, or, or larger organizations. So, definitely talk. I think it's. Um, Pat PV and, and Brandt uh, are going to be talking on that, so uh, I'll definitely be checking out that that webinar with you guys to talk about that. Um, okay, question in here about how much time do you spend on idea validation? How do you know when you're done validating? Kevin, what do you think? Uh, well, I I think the way I like to think of this is a process more than an event. Uh, and so, if you're at any, you know, as you as you start building a product or an idea, you're going to go through evolutions of this. You know, at first you're just the first one is, does anybody care, right? Like, is this idea good at all? Am I just wasting my time? Mm. Uh, and you know, but even when you start getting paying customers, and even when you get like, I know friends who've gotten to a million dollars in top line revenue, and they're going back and redoing their lean canvas because they're at the next stage and they're trying to test the next level of assumptions. So you're always going to be in this process. So in one sense, it doesn't end. If you're talking about like systematically going out and talking to customers, trying to discover something new, uh, what I would suggest is you, you want to, you, when you stop learning anything new, stop doing it. That's generally the advice I give. And I've made the mistake of actually doing too much customer development uh, and where I just spent too many time, well, I don't know everything, I've got to go talk to more people. And in retrospect, I kind of, you know, I wasn't learning anything new that was going to affect my next action. Um, that's one answer. And then I have a second answer with Justin and I talked about this in JFDI. Um, <laughs> and that is, if you find yourself getting miserable doing it, stop, right? <laughs> if you suddenly hate it, like, and just, you're just miserable, go on to something else. And so maybe this is a bit of like our view of the world and, and life perspective, but we both mm -hmm, agree that mm -hmm. when it becomes like, truly unfun, uh, stop doing it and do something else. That's great. That's great. Um, okay, so Takashi, what do you think? Um, I, yeah, um, uh, yeah, uh, Kevin already uh, described it well, but uh, yeah, it's a difficult question because uh, 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 validating uh, uh, idea uh, is not like the kind of uh, statistically testing uh, mm. uh, method uh, in the mathematics or whatever and uh, so but uh, uh, one thing I, uh, I I I keep seeing repeatedly is that uh, if you if you uh, find really early adapter who actually have a problem you are uh, putting as a hypothesis uh, then then that is, that will be the timing and uh, and uh, when you come across the early adapter who have a serious problem, serious pain uh, in their hand, then uh, the sign is that uh, from early adapter side, they, are, uh, they keep uh, talking to you about it because they are really frustrated about it. And so uh, they find somebody who understands their problem. So, so they want to, they want to uh, feel uh, kind of a, emphasis uh, with the problem. So mm. if you find uh, Ari Adapter who, are, uh, who have a problem, who talk to you without, ask, without, without being asked from you, 
uh, about the pain, then uh, I, I, uh, I think that's a sign. Yeah, I hear you. I'll, real quickly, I'll throw in a, a, new, a new way of thinking about this that I'm coming up with on the spot. And that is, if you have to ask yourself if you're done validating, you're not done. So by that I mean, uh, on occasion, I've run into problems where customers are kicking and screaming to give me money to solve a problem. They will not let me keep going. They will not let me do anything else because they found like like they found some solution to their problem, and that is when I will go and solve their problem. So totally up to you as the founder if you want to keep drudging through things and if you want to convince people they have problems. Me, I'm done with that. I will keep validating until people like drag me away and say, no, 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 go build this business for me. Um, so the, I, I just posted. Um, blog post about about recruiting not a business that I ever thought I would be into but there's such a high demand and such a big problem that it looks like I'm a temporary recruiter now so um, anyway uh, that's that's what it looks like for me when I'm done validating okay so we have a really fantastic question here um, we it says everyone says have conversations with your customers but no one says how to approach them emails gets it get ignored phone calls do I go door to door so how exactly do well, you know what's the step by step to go talk to a customer Kevin what do you think so just just to make sure I understand the question so the question is I'm about I want to go start like lean startup today what should I do first type of thing is that this no the question, question is someone's told me to get out of the building okay and I, I'm bought in how the heck yeah. do I actually have that conversation how do I you know do I do an email but the phone calls the emails get ignored like what, what yep. do I need to do Great tactics, yep. So I did a blog post on this as well, which I will be happy to share with everybody. But uh, the way I do it, again, this is on my own experience, is when I start out, I, I sort of make a list uh, of everybody I know who either has the problem or can introduce me to somebody with a problem. And, and then after that, it is just raw frickin' work. Um, you know, doing these customer interviews and, and, and uh, you know, the customer development, I, I've found is... Uh, one of the most unpleasant things that I can do. It is hard, tough, grueling work. Um, you know, it is not fun. Uh, it is, you know, showing up at coffee shops where people blow you off. Um, but it's it's just a matter of grinding it out. And you meet with people, you test your assumptions, and at the end of it, you ask for introductions to other people, and you just keep going. And I keep a running list, and I've shared the the exact system I use. You can there's probably tools out there you can use as well. Um, where I just continue follow up with people and say, hey, do you know anybody else who can help me with this? And then I try to meet with them and I just keep going. And if you get into a routine of doing that, having a virtual assistant can be a big help if you have the, the budget to be able to hire somebody, if you have someone on your team that can help, to help do the email intros and set up the meetings, and you just keep going. Nice, fantastic. Takashi, any, any tactical, practical advice on having a meeting? Um, uh, yeah. Uh... When when you uh, send an email to the kind of stranger uh, by just saying that uh, uh, I want to talk to you, so please uh, uh, make uh, allow me to make an appointment, and then uh, probably most of the people will ignore and just uh, get it yeah. to the uh, garbage. But uh, what I find it works is that uh, when you uh, light up the email more in detail like uh, 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 who I am and uh, uh, why I am interested in uh, meeting you and uh, and what 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 time uh, how long does it take to 
to have a meeting and uh, and what kind of question uh, we will uh, I will ask, then uh, uh, I think that the success ratio of getting appointment by sending that kind of email will be higher. In my experience, actually, uh, yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't say more than 50%, but uh, as close as 50%, uh, the email uh, will be responded. Uh, uh, even though uh, they won't meet you, but uh, I, I see, I, I receive response. Yeah, what, great. What do you think? Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna actually combine this with a question we just got about, you know, hey, I'm doing B2B lean startup and I'm finding it quite challenging to get out of the building. It sounds like this is a common problem and here is my take on difficulties in getting meetings. Um, that is a good sign. The good sign is that no one gives a, um, I don't know if this is, no one cares about your problem that you're solving. If you send me an email that says, hey, Justin, I want to build you a, a Twitter robot that goes and, um, and spams your Twitter followers with interesting content, you're not solving a problem for me, and so I'm not going to reply back to you. So if you're having a hard time getting people to engage with you, yeah. it's likely that you are, to Kevin's point earlier, not providing any value. So take that as feedback. Shit, I, I couldn't get anyone to reply. I'm talking about this particular problem, and no one replied. Good, move on. Do something else. Get out of the business of convincing people they have a problem. Um, yep. To this point, I, um, I actually I used one of my one of my MVPs. People, I think we have a question here about what an, what does an MVP look like for a B two B. Here's an MVP. It's a uh, cold email. The cold email says, "I'm trying to solve this problem. Will you talk to me?" That's all I'm trying to do, right? That's, I'm just trying to validate, will X number of people reply to this email that says I'm trying to solve this problem? And I did have, Takashi, I actually had 50% response rate to a cold email because the problem was so intense. So um, that, that's my experience. Uh, and then the, go, go provide value. Everything, everything in this world, if it has to do with another human doing some action on your behalf, you must solve a problem for them first and then ask for the value that you want. So in this case, Takashi's right. An email that says, hey, let me take time off of your busy day to solve my problem is just never going to work, right? Sure. As Kevin was mentioning earlier, hey, I've got some insights on this particular problem that you have. Do you want to chitty chat? Um, you might do better there. Okay, so if we've got that covered, um, I, someone has a, a great question here about, um, hey, I, I want to know what options do I have to validate uh, a global market where I don't have the options to experiment face-to-face. -face. Maybe I can't have conversations face-to-face, -face, or maybe it's hard to get in front of my customers. What do you guys think? Someone's going to try and, and, and take a bigger market than they are than they have at home, and they want to try lean. What, what, what suggestions do you guys have in that scenario? Kevin, any, any thoughts? Uh, I'd like to hear what Takashi says. <laughs> Good. Takashi, <laughs> what do you think? Okay, thing. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, I do not have much experience, but uh, what what surprising me uh, uh, was that when I teach uh, lean startups in a, a certain university for undergraduate students, and uh, at that time the one of the team uh, came up with a product idea uh, that uh, solved the problem of the people outside Japan. So they have so. Their business model is uh, uh, looking at not domestic market but uh, uh, overseas market from yeah. the beginning. Uh, 
Yeah. And at that time, I thought that, uh, yeah, it's going to be a very tough because uh, they they are undergrad students in domestic university and they have no network uh, with the overseas, uh, people in the overseas. But uh, uh, what, I, what I was impressed was that uh, with a young energy and maybe, how to say, um, uh, kind of a, uh, yeah, energy, they try to uh, find the interviewee by Facebook or maybe by tweeting, and then they uh, get some appointment with the people in the overseas and do the customer interview uh, by Skype. So awesome. uh, there is no technique, but uh, uh, what I thought was, yeah, it can be done even even for the undergrad student who don't have an acquaintance uh, in the overseas market. So yeah, that's what that's, I my that's just experience. Yeah, that's fantastic. Look, the, the truth is, even for people in large markets, it's not as if I know everyone in the large market. It's not as if I'm going to have face-to-face -face meetings with everyone in the large market. Uh, it's the same. It's going to be the same game, right? You're going to have time zone differences, but you'll you'll stay up nights. You'll you'll be fine. Um, so, a couple other very tactical pieces of advice. Number one, I love the Twitter. That's cool. Mechanical Turk is the other place you're going to go if you want to talk to people in the United States. Uh, I got a blog post about how to interview people on Mechanical Turk. Go read that. It'll tell you exactly how to have conversations of the B2C nature for Mechanical Turk. The other is TaskRabbit. Go look up TaskRabbit. And uh, if you don't know what that is, that is basically a, a human being will do something for you um, in some other part of the world. So uh, I've never tried this myself, but there's no reason why you couldn't have a TaskRabbit go put up a bulletin board in a college dormitory for you or have this person go down to the subway and, and post some signs up for you. So get creative. Don't think just because you're outside the market that you are limited. You have the same problems that we all do. Kevin, you want to you yep. throw one more thing? Yeah, yeah. Just uh, I would encourage you to use the other market though as a last resort because I mean, it, as you know, these are tactics you can use if you want to get there. But let's let's not kid ourselves. It is a lot harder. Uh, and I would you know, especially if you're not a native English speaker, yeah. I would say that Americans have a hyper a hyper fine-tuned filter for non-native English speakers because our emails are spammed constantly. So if your English is not perfectly if your English is not perfect and authentic, you we will we like we're like looking at every word and even if I see something like uh, footballer instead of football player, I'm like, whoa, nothing <laughs> around here, scam. I mean so and it's just because Americans are overwhelmed with scams and spam. So keep that in mind that even if you're just going to email and reach out people, that there's you're gonna you're gonna meet a lot of just you know skepticism over electronic communication. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, um, so we've got a great question here. Um, great because it complements my blog, so that's that's why I'm gonna read it out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, um, now I can't find it. Basically, it's like Justin's blog kicks ass. What else kicks ass on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so what do you guys think? Uh, what other resources are there available for people to um, to learn lean and practice lean in their locale? Uh, Kevin, yeah, fire away. Yeah. Who, who's going first, Justin? Kevin is. 
Yeah, please. Okay, Kevin. Uh, so I, I would encourage you to there, there's there's so many there's so many resources out there. So I would the first thing I would encourage you is find the local thought leaders in your community. Um, you know, obviously you won't have to go very far if you're in Japan. You already know who it is. But you know, look around in your community, and I'll try to post some of the folks up there who I've had a chance to work with. Khalil Carrazo in, in the Philippines is a great example. Um, you know, if you're in JFDI, if you're in Singapore, obviously Ray Wu and the JFDI folks are, are fantastic. Um, and in almost every community, you're going to find a college professor in the entrepreneurship community, a VC, an angel, and somebody who's reading this stuff gets the big picture and says, okay, this is great. This is how we do it here. Like, I would encourage you, that's the first person and ask that person about meetups, about resources, about anything else where you can find like-minded people and start working together. And take what you hear from the outside and make it yours. Um, and that's my first recommendation. Beyond that, for when you're reading stuff, you, if you're going to look to sort of the, you know, the, the, the thought leaders for conceptual stuff, then you, I would say stick with the people who are really you know, pushing the edge on the, the concepts. And that's, uh, so it's like you know, Takashi, Eric, uh, Ash Mori is great, uh, and of course Steve Blank, who's sort of the father of, of all this movement. So those kind of guys. And beyond that, when you start getting into tactics and what's working and what's not, I would read the blogs by the people who are both doing and teaching. Because if you're talking about this stuff and you're not actually doing it, and I don't mean doing it for your clients, I mean doing it on your own products, your own money, or your own sweat and tears, your people that are talking about their failures. Those are the people that are going to give you the best insights. So Joel Gascoigne's blog and Buffer, you know, his stuff is great. Rob Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, at the risk of, uh, you, know, you, know, you know, although Justin doesn't seem mind pitching his blog, Justin's stuff is awesome. And I do my best to try to share mostly my failures. Uh, but those are the, and I'm sure there's some other great examples. And I hope people will post some of those in the chat stream here so that I can learn about uh, content that I haven't read yet. Yeah. yeah, Kevin's blog is phenomenal. It's definitely one of the very few blogs that I read, and I definitely respect him. Um, if nothing else, the, you know, the content is great, but also that he's just such an open book and such a genuine entrepreneur, and it's so great to, to get to see um, uh, the world through his eyes. Um, okay, hey, Takashi, what do you think? Uh, resources that people can practice and, and learn lean? Um, uh, yeah, as Kevin described, uh, here in, uh, I... I, I, I know more in Japan, so I will talk about it, about Japan. But uh, in Japan, the uh, the number of the uh, blogger who talk about the lean startups according to their direct experience or the uh, strategy or the tactics are increasing. And uh, so the blogger like uh, 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 Wanami-san and Kuranuki-san, and also I ha I have I also have an own blog called. Uh, uh, www.castdev.jp and it, and it, there are much more uh, you can find and uh, so uh, those blog posts are abundant abundant with abundant with a uh, uh, lot of know-how and uh, tactics who are unique to the uh, uh, local environment so uh, of course uh, it is a great idea to 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 see the video in uh, Maybe the Lean Startup Conference in the past, and also their uh, Steve's uh, Udacity uh, Lean Launchpad class. But uh, looking at the uh, uh, local, looking at the blogs in the local community uh, is uh, uh, sometimes helpful because of the uniqueness to the local. 
Awesome. Great. Okay, a couple more resources I'll just throw out. Lean Startup Circle. Um, check out one and start it if, you, if there isn't one near you. Um, Startup Weekend Next is a program dedicated to this sort of stuff. Check that out. Um, and then all the classes. If you can't find anybody else, run a geo search on Twitter. Say, I want to search for anyone within 50 miles of me who's tweeting about um, Lean Startup. Okay, so we're at time, but I'm cheating. I'm going to steal more internet than we're allowed. And because I want to go really quickly, I want to talk about what advantages do people have on the um, practicing lean that uh, outside the valley. Okay, so we're going to give you, I'm going to give you 30 seconds apiece. Advantages people have outside the valley practicing lean. Kevin, rock and roll. Uh, you have the chance to be unique because there is uh, there is going to be less competition, and there's a reason why guys like Steve Blank and Dave McClure are flying all around the world and going to every city because they know that where you are is the future. Um, you know, I won't say that America is the past, but America is built. And you know, people talk about it how intensely competitive it is in China. It is insanely competitive in the United States. We're stealing ideas from each other all the time. You have a unique opportunity to do make a big impact where you are. Uh, whereas in America, you know, I'm just another dude. <laughs> awesome. Takashi, advantages of being outside the valley? Uh, well, um, yeah, uh, uh, the country like Japan, uh, uh, basically the, uh, once people buy the lean, then they do so uh, relentlessly. And uh, I heard that uh, in the Silicon Valley, uh, uh, which is the roots of the lean startup, but the people are not implementing all of the lean method from A to yeah. Z. Uh, but uh, I understand that the lean method is systematic and also integrated approach. So just focusing on A-B testing won't help uh, in my understanding. So, so, so in that sense, doing the culture to do the things relentlessly uh, will be advantageous uh, in the lean startup uh, uh, context. And by building a hypothesis and testing it with the MVP and customer, uh, running a build measure run loop fast cheap continuously continuously will be the key and uh, and that kind of culture will help to do that that's great all right and uh, I'll, I'll just end with the advantage i think you've got outside the valley is that you are doing lean more than people in the valley uh people in the valley still think that lean startup is like cheap startup or bootstrap startup they don't get it so if you're watching this you have a leg up on the people in the valley um, all right, guys. So thank you so much for taking the time. Um, uh, yeah, I think we're going to just wrap it up here. And we may be able to answer some of the questions that we didn't get to um, offline or through some other means. Um, but yeah, I think we're, we're ready to rock. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. This wraps up our show. Please join us again for the next webcast, Lean Enterprise, Bringing Lean to Established Companies, on October 8th. In the meantime, visit leanstartup.co for more information on the Lean Startup Conference, December 9th through 11th in San Francisco. Bye-bye.